Welcome to This Is Why I Teach, a podcast series highlighting Kentucky teacher voices and stories produced by GoTeachKY and the Kentucky Department of Education. My name is John, and I'll be your host. And today we welcome Amanda White from Straub Elementary in Mason County. Thank you for joining us. Uh, why and how did you pursue a career in teaching? My mother was the reason I chose to become a teacher. My mom grew up very poor in West Virginia. My grandfather worked on the railroad. So we're talking a decent time ago. Mm -hmm. And my mom, they had to move a lot. So she never really got to stay in one school system for very long. And she had dyslexia that was never diagnosed, never recognized. Mm -hmm. And my mom ended up dropping out of school when she was about a sophomore. You know, when we would talk, she was always so ashamed, like when I would go to school, like for to go to parent teacher conferences or anything like that, because she never felt that she was worthy of being in those areas because she had never mm -hmm. finished school herself. So I watched her struggle with that my whole life. And I thought, you know, I want to be that person that keeps that child from ever feeling that way. Like I saw that pain in her and I wanted to make sure that if I could have absolutely anything to do in helping people, I wanted to make sure that a child could never grow up and say, I didn't get to do this because I never got to finish school. Wow. That's a great story. And so many of that older generation, uh, had to leave school for a variety of reasons, uh, whether it was their choice or not. So that's a, that's a great story. Thank you. What's one thing you wish you had known when you began your teaching career? I think the one thing that I really wish I would have known more about before I started teaching was that there is so much more to it than just going in and being in front of kids. People downplay education so much, and I think that sometimes teachers or young teachers believe it themselves because, you know, oh, you couldn't do this, so you became a teacher. But as I matured in my career, I started to realize that teachers wear so many different hats, and one of my favorite ones to wear is being able to diagnostically find out where a child is. I'm a data-driven person. And when we think of teachers, I think a lot of the times we don't think of them as prescriptive people. So as I'm watching my children at school, they're first graders, you know, but there's 16 of them this year and none of them are in the same place. So my favorite thing to do is to find out exactly where they are and to work with them. And it becomes this prescriptive, almost like you're a doctor where this child is and how I'm going to advance them. And mm -hmm. I don't think I knew that going into it. I mean, I knew, you know, I'm going to teach, but it wasn't that I'm going to teach each child and they're going to be a, a different way that I teach them. And it's just so much fun for me to figure out that puzzle piece for each child. Wow. That's fantastic. And it kind of leads us to our next question. What is one common myth about teaching that you would like to debunk? My favorite one on that one is that we only teach, we only work from August through May. <laughs> and we definitely leave the building at 3.30, right? Yeah, of um, course. <laughs> I, think that, I think people really need to see teachers as, I mean, I know just in my area, we're not just teachers. We are, we're local leaders, we're coaches, we're church members. 
We do so much because we see the need within our community of all, especially here in Mason County. Teaching is probably our biggest employer within this, within this county. This is probably the biggest place that people are employed. Mm-hmm. And we leave our jobs, but we go out and like I coach, I coached a kindergarten soccer league this year. I had more fun with those kids than, you know, and you know, I'm from school. So I'm passing them in the hallways, you know, and then they're seeing me out on the field and, but it's investing in your community. Teaching is not just an eight to three August to May job. You are investing in your future in this community and hoping to bring those kids back and reinvest them in your future here to keep your county growing. Yeah, very well said. Very well. Um, what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career in teaching? I think the advice I would give them is stick with it. It's going to seem hard at first. You're not going to have any idea what you're doing at times, but I promise you, even though you don't think you know what you're doing, you know, in your heart. And at the end of the day, if you did your best with the kids, then you did exactly what they needed. It's not going to be easy, but you'll get through it. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? I think the best resources that I've had have definitely been my mentors in education. I've had several college professors from Moorhead State. Moorhead's my alma mater, and I've been able to reach out to them. And I mean, I'm, this is 18 years later, and I'm still reaching out to these people. Um, recently, I've discovered Twitter is great. I've been reaching out to people among Twitter all over the country and just everybody banding together to, you know, figure out problems, answer questions. My friends at the Ron Clark Academy down in Atlanta, Georgia, some credit because they helped me out whenever I needed. I am very thankful for all of them. Yeah. It's been a common answer through the, a lot of these podcasts are, are the human resources mm-hmm. that we have. It's been a very common answer. Yeah. Um, tell me about a student that changed how you teach. A couple of years ago, I had a child who was battling cancer. And it was probably the first time that I've ever had a child that was severely ill. But watching the grace that this child had, you know, trying to go through everything they're going through, but wanting to soak all this knowledge up like a sponge. And he did. He loved school. And we were going through all of this together. And I was pregnant at the time with my first child. As a mom, like as a new mom, getting ready to be a new mom and and seeing this and it, it just changes your whole perspective. But the child never acted like he wanted anything different than to be at school. He didn't want to be treated any different. He just wanted to be there and to learn and as much as he could. And when he was in the hospital, I would travel to UK's hospital and I would go and I would be with him there and we would do lessons together and stories together. And I'm proud to say that, you know, we are out of this now. He is cancer free and he's doing really well in school. It was just it kind of that break that you need sometimes just that, Sometimes you need to focus more on the humanity side than you do the education side. You need you need to see all those different pieces of the puzzle. And I think God put him in my life to kind of slow me back and to see those different perspectives. Wow. Thank you for sharing. That's a great story. I love those. Um, so who are three people who have been the most influential to you? Well, the first person that I would always say that was the most influential to me were both of my parents. Um, I kind of loop them together like as one, but um, my dad was a military man. He was strong in his beliefs and 
there were times when I was growing up that I would want to give up, you know, oh, I can't do that. And my dad would be like, he'd look at me, he'd let me have a minute to be dramatic. And then he'd say, are you done? And I'm, yeah, I'm done, sir. And he'd say, okay, now go out there and do whatever you want to do, because I know you can do it if you put your mind to it. So, um, of course, both of them have passed on now, but they were, they were just, they always believed that no matter what I wanted to do, I could do it. So I continue to think that myself, you know, I just keep chasing one dream after another. Um, Dr. Melinda Willis is another one of the people that I look up to. She was probably my first professor at Moorhead that when I sat in her class, I didn't feel like I was in class. I remember sitting there and she would start every lesson off. And here I'm a 21 year old college student. It's my senior year. And she would pull out a book and a children's book at that, like the Polar Express. And she read with such theaterisms that I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm suddenly not in class, but I'm riding this train as she's reading this book to me. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, if I can be like her, if I can see my students look at me the way that I'm looking at her right now, that's what I want. That's who I want to be when I grow up, you know? And um, I always want to say that the other person or people are my tiny people that influence me. And those are my students because out of everybody, they're the ones that make me grow and they're the ones that make me change. So with every group of children that have come through my door, I've found myself changing small parts about who I am. Like I'm never the same teacher. I always tell my kids, if I have your siblings, I'm never the same teacher next year that I was last year because Mm. I'm chasing that who I want to be when I grow up because I'm still not there. I'm not grown up yet. That, that reminds me of a quote from when one teaches to learn and and it's so true it's so true and yes our our, our kiddos are huge influences where do you see yourself in five years where do you see yourself in 10 years I've always had a plan, you know, when I grow up, what do I want to do? So I sit down every year and I kind of map out what I want to do. Um, I'm turning 40 this year. So this, well, next year, 2021, I'll be 40. Yeah. And it's been my goal to have a book out by the time I turn 40. So I'm currently working on my first book with a coworker. So we're working on that right now. Um, that's one of my dreams. In five years, I would love to see myself out traveling and, you know, speaking to other teachers. And the ambassador program that I'm in right now is a great launching point for that. Um, it's been my dream, though, to share my love of teaching with other teachers around the state. And, you know, I'd even like to branch it out further. 10 years, I'd like to have my administrative degree. I'm currently going back to Moorhead to get my rank one in instructional leadership. So, um, you know, maybe someday I'll be a principal, but um, I just, I want to help out the teachers and the kids in our great state as much as I possibly can. So I just keep learning and keep trying to find ways to help others out. What teaching challenges have you faced during COVID-19 and how have you overcome them? Well, when we, we started lockdown back on March 13th, I was convinced it was only going to be two weeks. You know, well, we'll get through two weeks. This is going to be like a snow thing. We'll be fine. And um, then two weeks turned into a month that turned into two months that turned into seven months. Um, I am very driven by being in front of my by being in front of my students. They drive me. So I get real theatrical when I'm in front of them. And I think the hardest part was 
being behind the computer, you know, not having them to kind of play off of, you know, um, I like to stand on chairs. I like to walk across tabletops. We do all kinds of crazy stuff in my room. We clap, we sing, um, and I couldn't do that. So then I had to start thinking, well, how can I be as engaging as I normally would be, but behind a computer screen? So um, my husband, who's a technology genius, he also teaches. He's a kindergarten teacher. He started showing me how to to flip my backgrounds, and I could be in space, and I could be doing these different things. And um, it was just trying to find ways to to still keep my kids engaged and to still have that love of learning and wanting to show up on the computer. And let me tell you, today when we flipped back and we went virtual, I had all sixteen of them were on there today. They're all chatting at different times and. So I know that they're being engaged. They want to get on because they're even telling their parents like, no, I'm supposed to be on at two o'clock today. So my six year olds (laughs) are making their own schedules and getting online. But that was what I worried about was not keeping them captivated and keeping that learn that love of learning there because they're, you know, there's that opportunity where it would not have been fun. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, uh, Amanda, what final thoughts do you have for us? I think that the one thing I want everybody just to remember is if you have a dream, whether it's teaching or if it's, if it's anything, I just want anybody who's listening out there today to know that no dream is unattainable. If you want something and you work hard enough for it, you're, you can get it. Just keep working. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Focus on yourself. Focus on your heart and keep going. I'm Amanda White, and this is why I teach. Well, thank you, Mrs. White. We appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners. Be sure to be on the lookout for our next installment of This Is Why I Teach. And remember, a teacher affects eternity. They can never tell where their influence stops. Have a great day.